Tesla's market cap today is $387 billion. The next closest car company, Toyota, its market capitalization is $195 billion, so roughly half. But here's the thing, Tesla isn't even a car company. Tesla's mission isn't to get us into Tesla vehicles. Its mission is to get us out of gas-powered vehicles. I submit that Tesla's car lineup is just a Trojan horse. It's the dog treat wrapped around the pill. Concealed is a future where owning a car will be as common as owning a horse is today. Tesla is ushering in two technologies that will create this future. The first technology that's creating the world, I predict, is electrification of the vehicle. Elon Musk, early on, had a conviction that if, we, if he bet big on battery electric vehicles, then he would create a, an economy of scale where the price of electric vehicles would come down and be competitive and exceed, actually, the capability of internal combustion engine vehicles. This conviction... Uh, comes from, in part, his idea that you shouldn't be thinking along the lines of analogy. So uh, if you had asked me before Elon Musk started making electric vehicles, would we ever have affordable electric vehicles? I think in my head, I would have assumed, okay, well, a, a laptop battery is about a hundred bucks and you would need the capacity of a hundred laptop batteries to make a car, a viable vehicle compared to combustion engines, which have a range of about 400, 500 miles. The cost, so the battery within the laptop is a hundred bucks. You need a thousand of them. That's a hundred thousand dollars just for the battery alone. And you haven't even put in the power electronics. You haven't put in the motors. You haven't built the car. You're looking at a car that's probably going to be 150,000 bucks, which of course, the original Tesla Roadster was about $150,000. But Elon Musk was more analytical and he said, okay, well, never mind what a laptop battery costs, it costs what it costs. What does the material within the battery cost? What are the production costs when it comes to producing the batteries? What if I do it at scale? And he found that over time he could ring out some of the costs. And this is not something that Elon Musk alone can do, although he's obviously very innovative and very driven, but there's something called Wright's Law. Many of you are familiar with Moore's Law. Moore's Law is this idea that computers will become twice as capable every year or 18 months. And it's this inexorable increase to the capability of computers so that you can pretty much count on if I need 10 times as much processing power in my laptop to do something, in three or four years, you'll be able to afford a laptop that does that because that's the curve that we're on. The rights law is not so much a curve that predicts things exponentially like that. It is based on the idea that the more of something we produce, the better we get at producing it. Or more to the point, if there's enough demand for something, then people will apply their ingenuity to producing it in sufficient quantities to meet that demand. And so there's a chicken and egg going on there, but what Elon Musk has kind of forced the chicken out of the egg or the egg out of the chicken 
by saying he's going to do it at scale and so is sort of dragging along the rest of the automotive industry uh, with him because he's demonstrating that electric vehicles can eventually be cost competitive. Ark Invest has done the math using Wright's law and concluded that competitive vehicles, battery electric vehicles versus internal combustion engines, the battery electric vehicles will be price competitive within a year, with, in, around 2021, 2022. That's not even factoring in the cost to run the vehicle, which has been established as much cheaper with electric vehicles. They use uh, very relatively little electricity compared to the, uh, uh, the cost of gasoline that a comparable vehicle would need. And they need, need much less maintenance, uh, partly because they regenerate to slow down so they don't use the brakes as much, but also internal combustion engines in the last 100 years have become incredibly complicated uh, and they produce corrosive gases, which rots out your muffler there's all kinds of maintenance to be done. The oil has to be changed and so on. So running an electric vehicle is much cheaper, but now producing an electric vehicle, we can expect to come close to the cost of, of uh, internal combustion engines and then, or vehicles, and then become actually cheaper. There are still some people who debate whether or not electric vehicles are going to replace internal combustion vehicles. I think the debate is now over, even though it hasn't happened yet, we can see the writing on the wall. It's just going to be cheaper to run an electric vehicle. And so we can debate about when that will happen, how that will happen. Um, it's a bit like looking at a block of ice on the beach in Mexico. You can kick it around, you can see the water lap up against it. Maybe it's sunny, maybe it's dark. It, we can debate how long it will take that block of ice to melt, but it's above the freezing point. Eventually it's going to melt it, as sure as night turns into day. And I think this is what's happening with electric vehicles. Electric vehicles will replace combustion vehicles, even if gas was free, because electric vehicles will be so much cheaper to run. The second technology that uh, Elon Musk and Tesla is bringing to bear that will change our world is full self-driving. Elon Musk has been saying that he's going to have full self-driving capability in Tesla vehicles almost since Tesla began. And he's been somewhat derided because it's always, yeah, yeah, next year, yeah, yeah, next year. But I think now it's yeah, yeah, next year because there have been a few changes. One is all the lessons that were learned from the, from the self-driving efforts in the last 10 years have resulted in lessons learned within Tesla and within Tesla's computers and within Tesla's driving computers within the, the vehicles themselves. They've learned one lesson, they've, they've changed the way they approach identifying things on the road. It used to be that every time a vehicle approached a stop sign, for example, it would have to identify that stop sign. But now with what they call 4D, they're able to have records that span time. So the next vehicle theoretically, or a successive vehicle after the, the lessons have been digested, as it approaches that intersection, will know even if there's something hiding that stop sign, that there's a stop sign there. So it's this idea that one can learn not just general lessons about how to drive, but one can begin to develop lessons about the roads you drive on and just think about your own experience. 
you may have driven for 10 years without incident. But if you fly to a different part of the country or a different part of the world, you're now a much more nervous driver because you don't know your surroundings. What this is doing is making it possible for Tesla vehicles to not only know how to drive, but know their surroundings as well. So you couple the rapid uh, improvement of computing power within the vehicle. You couple that to what they call Dojo, which is their Tesla supercomputer where all the uh, lessons learned by the vehicles is sent back to Dojo or the, all the experiences of the vehicles, not all, but the, the notable ones are sent back to Dojo for processing to distill it down to a set of lessons that can be shared back out to the vehicles. If you combine all of that and the fact that already vehicles are on the road, albeit ostensibly with human drivers paying close attention, but nevertheless, they are driving themselves and they are driving themselves through parts of the country, or this is happening in the United States right now, the, the, the vehicle and even Dojo, the supercomputer may not have encountered yet and successfully navigating for 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes. That's longer than a first drive for a teenager where your, your heart's in your throat waiting for your kid not to make a mistake. And again, it's that exponential factor of the more lessons they learn, the safer the vehicles become. And so again, just like that block of ice, doesn't matter what happens to it, how often you kick it around, whether it's day or night, if it's above zero, it's going to melt. And what I'm saying, what I'm observing is that as long as the progress is forward, and it is, and it is exponential, eventually we will be able to reliably have vehicles drive themselves. So we combine these two technologies and you wind up with a future where transportation is much, much cheaper. So you, first of all, you got electric propulsion, which on a high mileage vehicle, and what I mean by that is a vehicle driven many miles in a year, like a hundred thousand miles in a year, it becomes much cheaper to drive it electrically than with internal combustion. You don't have your gas, you don't have your oil changes, you use less brakes, you have less maintenance on the engine. Engines rarely make it to 250,000 miles, whereas they are expecting many of these Tesla batteries to run to a million miles, or at least the ones they're producing now. So it is cheaper to run an electric vehicle. So we can pretty much count on that being the future for vehicles. And then we have autonomous vehicles. What's the world gonna look like then? You could either without even setting foot in your car, rent out your car, and people could hail it like an Uber right now. But more than likely, people won't bother any more than I would rent out my desk or my printer or my computer. It's just not worth the hassle with one vehicle. But if you have a fleet, it becomes a really good business because you don't need drivers. You have a very safe driving fleet because they're, they're getting better at driving every year. Every week they're getting better and safer and they don't have a temper and they're not inattentive. So it's inevitable that these vehicles will be, will be quite, uh, will get into very few collisions. Of course, we don't know what the humans around them are gonna do, but we all have to contend with that whether we're a robot or not. So 
you can imagine a future where a lot of people don't bother buying their next car. They certainly aren't going to bother with the second car because you can just hail a vehicle and that vehicle will be far cheaper than a cab, again, because it's electrically propelled and because it doesn't have a driver in it. As robo-taxis become a higher proportion of the number of vehicles on the road and they displace privately owned vehicles, I think we're gonna see some shifts and they're going to accelerate the adoption of robo-taxis at the expense of privately owned vehicles. One is that some jurisdictions are just gonna say enough is enough. We're only letting robo-taxis into this part of town. And they might do that because it's so much safer for the occupants of the vehicles themselves and also for the pedestrians in that tight downtown core. Pedestrians getting hit by cars is a serious problem in all urban centers and presumably Tesla vehicles or robo taxis in general can be that much more attentive and, and avoid that problem. Once that happens, you'll see another step change in terms of the efficiency that robo-taxis allow. And again, partly that's because they're more attentive. It's because they can talk to one another and avoid collisions completely. It's because they can talk to one another and make sure that traffic flows at a most efficient way. But it also means that the vehicles themselves don't need to be designed the way they are on I'll call public roads or roads where they have to share the road with privately owned vehicles where the risk of collision is still real, still high. The current Tesla vehicles compete with regular cars, which means they need high strength steel, bumpers, airbags. Um, they have complex, expensive, heavy duty suspensions that don't just simply lift the car and convey it down the road, but also corner well and under emergency conditions, they have heavy wheels and tires sometimes for better uh, handling, but sometimes just for looks. Um, and they have what I would call overpowered engines, uh, batteries that are capable of producing that power, or electric motors rather, and batteries that are capable of producing enough power at a given moment to drive those big motors. Nobody wants to be in a cab that's doing zero to 60 and three. Nobody wants to be in a cab that's going around a corner at a G at a full, force of gravity. You want a car that's relatively calm if you're gonna be sitting in it with, with a robot driving you around. And so all of these things mean a lighter, cheaper vehicle, a simpler vehicle. The other thing is that robo-taxis could be made with uh, one, two, three, four seats. You don't need to have four or five uh, occupants capability in every vehicle. Most cab rides are a driver and one person. So you could reduce the size of the vehicle by going down to one person. Once any area has a jurisdiction where only robo-taxis are allowed and people are able to see the advantages of that, the fact that navigating within that region, that usually the, probably that downtown core is so much easier than it used to be, so much safer than it used to be, so much cheaper than it used to be, so much faster than it used to be, that's going to spread. So even as people, and you know, probably me, probably you, are going to be like, I have a perfectly good vehicle. It's got a few years left in it. I'm not going to give up on it. I kind of like driving. I don't like being stuck in traffic, but I enjoy 
the freedom that comes from driving, the sense of agency that one has behind the wheel. I think we're going to find ourselves trying to sell our vehicle to somebody who lives in a less urban area because that, that trend, that expanding zone of robo-taxi only is, is going to be, it's, it's going to grow. It's inevitable that will, it will grow. And as that happens, I, I have a 16 year old son and, and we talk about him getting a driver's license, but if it were five years from now, I think we'd just not bother. I mean, what's even the, the point of taking the driver's license and risking your life with that effort when you can, for the rest of your life, count on using robo-taxis. So there is a generational effect. I'm probably one of the, uh, well, roughly in the middle of the, the cohort of people who will be like, eh, I kind of like driving, but the, we will be replaced by people who are accustomed to the idea of treating driving down the road the same way you and I treat getting on an elevator. How many elevator brands do you know? Otis, name another one. The point being that they're just a commodity. You get on it and you get to where you want to go and you don't think about it. And the last thing you want to do is pin your hopes on, an, on a career as an elevator operator. And the last thing you expect to see when you get on an elevator is an elevator operator. And I think this is what's going to happen with, with transportation. Today, Tesla produces a full line of vehicles from a small sedan to a full-size sedan to a small SUV to a large SUV to pretty soon a pickup truck, all of which will do zero to 60 in four seconds or less and get better energy efficiency than a combustion engine motorcycle. And it'll do it at a price that many people in North America and Europe and Asia can afford. That says to me that we're at some sort of apex when it comes to what privately owned vehicles are capable of. So the irony is that Tesla is creating a future where we're all going to be occupying vehicles that closely resemble the golf carts that Tesla was so afraid we would associate electric vehicles with when they made the first Roadster. You remember that was the whole point of the Roadster was to convince the world that electric vehicles were desirable, were exciting. They weren't utilitarian. And here we are sowing the seeds for a future where we aren't even driving anymore. So who cares? All I want is a utilitarian, simple vehicle that can get me from A to B. This is what I mean by Tesla is not a car company. Their job is not to sell you cars. Their goal is not to sell you cars. Your goal is to loosen your grip on internal combustion vehicles in favor of an electric future, in favor of an automated full self-driving future. Yes, there will be millions of cars on the road. No, they won't be terribly exciting. Once other manufacturers around the world, and let's not forget, Tesla is not doesn't have a stranglehold on battery technology. They're working with cattle, they're working with Panasonic. These are suppliers that can supply other companies with very similar technologies, or those technologies can be licensed. Other people are gonna be able to figure out how to put batteries in cars. I have no fear of that. 
the vehicles I'm describing, these small, lightweight, not very powerful, not great handling, not necessarily even beautiful or memorable vehicles that will populate the world. I don't think Elon Musk or Tesla is going to be very excited about producing those vehicles. The competition is going to be about price really soon, but they will still have a stranglehold for the foreseeable future. And when I say foreseeable future, let's say the amount of time that Google has dominated, and we can see that Google will probably dominate for, I don't know, call it twice as long as it has dominated. So 20 years, call it 40 years. I think Tesla's full self-driving will dominate for roughly the same amount of time, call it 40 years. And the reason for that is they're getting better at it all the time. And the better they are, the more likely you are to use them, the more likely you are to use them, the more data they have to work with, the more lessons they have to work with, the better they get, just like Google. Google gets better all the time because it's the best. Full self-driving from Tesla will get better all the time because it's the best. But I don't think they're going to be in the car business. Uh, I give it another 20 years and I think they're going to sell off their, their manufacturing plants or retask them for something. In fact, that might even be the end game is Elon's just sort of uh, using these plants to get cars out to basically destroy the car industry and then use those plants to build motors for uh, rockets to go to Mars, whatever. I do think that the, the, in the 20 years, I don't think you're going to see Tesla cars anymore. So what do you think? Am I wrong? Is Tesla going to get out of the car business and stay in the full self-driving business? Let me know.